It's time for the OTH Daily Podcast. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. You'll never have the sacred stone. <laughs> oh, this new crazy mother. the OTH Daily Podcast. I'm the man behind the mic, your host, Christian Rao. It is January 22nd, 2020. Have a great episode for you today. Matt Zader comes on for Hockey Talk. We're going to talk about an anticipated debut of Zion Williamson. Derek Jeter gets inducted to the Hall of Fame, as well as Larry Walker. It's a great day for sports. It's a great day for the OTH Daily Podcast. Here we go. gonna start today in the world of baseball two new players now find a new home in cooperstown Derek jeter and larry walker are the 2020 hall of fame inductees after the final voting by the baseball writers of america last night Derek jeter almost unanimous 99.7 percent all but one vote for the former 20-year new york yankee and now owner of the miami marlins and Larry Walker barely holds on with 76.6% of the votes. You need 75% to be inducted into the Hall of Fame. Very impressed for both of these players. Larry Walker in his 10th and final year on the ballot squeaks in there. Derek Jeter was in his first year on the ballot. Other players that just missed, Kurt Schilling's Roger Clemens, Barry Bonds, all of them above the 60% threshold. Kurt Schilling with 70% of the votes. It's likely to see him in next year. Roger Clemens at 61% and Barry Bonds at 60.7. It'll be very interesting to see if both of those players make it in in their ninth year next year on the ballot. Both All of these players have dealt with PED issues. It'll be interesting to see if the BBWAA makes an exception. Derek Jeter and Larry Walker will officially be welcomed into the hall on July 26 in Cooperstown when the two modern baseball era committee selections catcher Ted Simmons and the late player union head Marvin Miller will also be honored. As stated earlier, Derek Jeter is just missing joining former teammate and 2019 inductee Mariano Rivera and receiving 100% of the votes, 99.7% of the votes, second highest all time and the highest for any position player, but nonetheless, he becomes the 57th first ballot Hall of Famer. On the other side of the spectrum, Larry Walker made it by only six votes, appearing on 76.6% of the ballots. The former Expos, Rockies, and Cardinals right fielder had to sweat the process every step of the way, but ultimately achieved Hall of Fame status. Congratulations to both Jeter and Walker. We'll be discussing so much more about this in days to come. It's time for OTH Hockey Talk with OTH Hockey Director Matt Zader. Oh, good for you. Hey, Matt, how you doing? Welcome back to Hockey Talk and welcome to the OTH Podcast. How you doing this Wednesday afternoon? I'm, I'm doing great. And uh, hey, you got a good slate for us today. We have a lot to talk about in the hockey world. Something that happened, you know, just a day after 
you know, we last talked and that was with the, the Vegas Golden Knights. And, you know, just a few years removed from, you know, them initially becoming a team and them going to the Stanley Cup finals in their first season. Now they're on the complete opposite side. Now they're going to, they fired their head coach, Gallant. And that's a pretty big deal. So your thoughts there? Well, I mean, when I, when I found out about it, it was, I was shocked. I mean, there was, I really didn't expect him to be, to be one of the coaches fired after all the firings that have done, uh, been done already. But uh, I mean, they weren't struggling. I mean, they're right in the thick of the race in the Pacific division. Um, they were on a little bit of a skid, but I mean, all teams go through that. So, I mean, I don't understand why they're getting rid of a coach as citing performance issues, which I mean, uh, yeah, it's kind of, it's, it's concerning that they would be firing one of their, uh, I'd say their most successful, well, their only coach. And he's been pretty successful too. I'd like to talk more about the Pacific division later on as you and I discuss hockey here on a Wednesday at the OTH daily podcast. But you know, one of the biggest things I have an issue with, with this firing is the fact that, you know, they are in the race and they had mm-hmm. such success. Now, do you see that there's so many firings this year compared to years past? And why is that? I mean, it, it is it is surprising to see so much so much turnover in the coaching world and uh, so early in the season. I mean, you usually see a lot of it happening um, in the off season when you know teams kind of evaluate their stuff. But I mean, it's yeah, it is very surprising. And all, all the time that I've you know followed hockey throughout my my life i really haven't seen this much turnover so early um you know I, i'm not sure what the big reason is i mean a lot of it was the you know the big thing with the coaching abuse and and stuff like that for a few of them so i mean that's a little different it's not all performance based so now looking at Gallant, obviously we know that he was a great coach last season and the year before obviously brought them to the stanley cup finals so we don't expect him to be out of a job for too long. What do you think the future is for him after being let go by the Golden Knights? I mean, he's going to be, he's probably already fielding calls from teams. I, mean, I don't think he's going to be out of a job long. There's already been rumblings, uh, you know, in Dallas with, uh, you know, they're saying that probably Rick Bonus will stay there. But, uh, I mean, there's been talk about that. Uh, you know, I don't think he's going to be out of a job long. That's for sure with the success he's had. There's even been talk about Seattle, uh, but Seattle's just, it's still a bit down the road. I don't know if he's going to be wanting to wait that long for them. It'd be pretty impressive if you saw him just take an inaugural team like Vegas to a Stanley Cup final and then possibly lead some success to the brand new hockey team in Seattle. That'd be a pretty interesting concept there if that happened to me. I think that'd be Mm -hmm. actually pretty cool. Um, I'd like to shift gears a little bit, and this is, another unfortunate event that happened in the hockey world this week. And that was, there was a, uh, a weird fight, I guess you could say a brawl. I'll let you really take charge of it, of, of how you want to handle it, but between Kachuk and Cassian and how they handled it, how the league handled it. So what's, you could just break down the whole situation first. What happened? Well, I mean, the, in the game, we got Calgary, Calgary and Edmonton, uh, Kachuk hit Cassian with a, uh, a questionable hit that's been out of the league for a bit. Uh, now, I mean, going into the history of the Canucks, uh, Rafi Torres did it to Brent Seabrook back in the first round of the 2011 playoffs. It took Seabrook out uh, out of the game and out of the series. So, I mean, 
it's a blindside hit. It's basically uh, defenders kind of engaged with the forward with Cassian there, and Kachuk comes from far away from, and the net's kind of shielding him from it, and he kind of gets blindsided. And the league's been trying to get rid of those types of hits because they're they're dangerous, and I mean they're things that the player doesn't see it coming, and it it incites injury. And Cassian got really angry about it and tried to fight Kachuk, and Kachuk went down into a turtle and didn't uh, didn't even fight. So I mean there is the big thing about their rivalry's been going on for a long time as well. So it's now, it was an unfortunate incident for sure. Now, what did the league do to fix this situation? Was anything done to help correct this? And as you said, this is something that a hit that was taken out of the league a long time ago. Obviously, it's an uncalled for hit. What did the league do uh, in this situation? Well, the league didn't really do a lot. I mean, in the after the game, they said it's a it's a hit they want to be getting out of the league, but it's not something that uh, they suspend and all that. So, I mean. He didn't get concussion and get hurt, but I mean, it's something that they basically just said, well, we want to get rid of those hits and uh, they actually, and now that the next, next matchup against Edmonton and Calgary has been a huge uh, anticipation for that. And uh, on hockey night in Canada, they were talking to Brian Burke. I had to the point there and talking about it. And he said that, well, basically the league warned both Cassian and Kachuk. They didn't want any shenanigans in the next game. So we'll see how that kind of uh, plays out when they play again. Yeah, warning only goes so far. What do you expect to see when that next game happens between the Canucks and the Flames? Well, I mean, uh, Oilers and the Flames have always been a huge rivalry there, uh, Battle of Alberta and all that. So it's going to be physical regardless, but uh, the refs are going to probably crack down on that game pretty pretty early. Um, you know, it's probably going to probably be a lot of penalties in, in the game to kind of – probably early in the game too to trying to police it so i it's gonna be interesting to see that's for sure i'm here with matt zader the director for hockey for oth here on a wednesday morning at the oth daily podcast and matt as we talked earlier when we got we're talking about vegas and honestly we've been kind of talking about it the entire time here the pacific division has been a very mm-hmm. tight net division throughout this entire season and it's only getting more log jam that's the word that you know, you, you've sent me, and I think that is a perfect example here. Your thoughts on the Pacific Division so far this season as we get to the All-Star break? Well, it's it's pretty crazy. If uh, the Canucks didn't win or if they didn't get the two points in their last game they got one point, it would have been a four-way tie for first. So, I mean, <laughs> with all, all the teams having 57 points. So, it's definitely a crazy, crazy division. Um in the sense that it's really tight. One team can win a game and be first and then lose the next game and be fifth. So, I mean, it's pretty crazy. Now, speaking of all those teams at the top, what is, who is the most surprising team that is battling for that number one spot in your opinion, in the Pacific division? I mean, I would say the Canucks right now. I mean, a lot of the, a lot of people didn't see the Canucks being in that discussion of being top in the top uh, of the division. Um, biggest surprise for me of not being around there is San Jose. Uh, they're below 500, probably three or four games below 500 now. So, and they're a pretty good team still with, uh, Brent Burns, Eric Carlson, uh, you know, Couture, all those guys, they're all, 
they're all still should be a contending team. So it's really surprising that they're not even in the discussion for first right now. If you are on the East coast, listening to the daily pod and you're trying to get into hockey or just pay attention more to the Pacific division, I promise you it's worth staying up late, staying up for those 10 o'clock face-offs tip offs Mm -hmm. uh, to watch these matchups. Because as you said, and as Matt said right here, this is a very interesting division and it's only halfway through the season. We have a lot of hockey to go. And Matt, you brought up the Canucks, and I always have to ask every Wednesday, as you are a contributor for multiple Canucks uh, writing sources, and obviously you're a homer there. So I have to know, how are the Canucks doing this week? Well, they're first in the division, so <laughs> there's that. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, uh, until Vegas. Vegas is the only uh, team that plays this week to kind of bump them. It could bump them off of first place. So uh, we'll see if the Canucks are still first when the All-Star game is on Saturday. On uh, So it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, but, yeah, they're doing pretty well uh, after their two uh, lopsided losses last week. Uh, they've rattled off a couple more wins. So we'll see how they do the rest of the rest of the year. Well, so far they've been only improving and improving every time we talk. So I guess if you want them to keep winning, you have to just keep coming on the OTH Daily Podcast and we can make that happen. So, yes, <laughs> absolutely. So, speaking of the All Star break, as you were bringing up, great segues for me to continue on with this <laughs> Hockey Wednesday here at the OTH Daily. The All Star break is this weekend. Friday is the Skills Challenge, and then the actual All Star game is Saturday afternoon. It's going to be some fun. I think that the fact that they finally switched the All Star game to that three on three a few years back mm-hmm. has really made it more enjoyable to me. Uh, the skills competition is really fun as well. Uh, I think NHL does the all-star game and all-star weekend better than anyone else. In my opinion, I really think they do uh, mm-hmm. your thoughts on the all-star game this weekend, the all-star weekend in general, and um, anything you're really looking forward to. Well, it's, it's going to be fun for, for Canuck fans to see three of probably, or well, at least two of their more ex- most exciting players there. Uh, Quinn Hughes and Elias Pettersson. And then uh, the big surprise to have uh, Jacob Markstrom, a starting goaltender too there. So it's going to be nice to see uh, see the excitement for those players. And then for the rest of the rest of the the events there too, first time we're going to see a women's three-on-three as well. So it's going to be interesting to see that. That's a first for the All-Star game as well. Really excited to be talking about that next week. We'll definitely have to recap the All-Star weekend. We'll have to get going next Wednesday and discuss what to look forward to for the the next couple weeks as we get to the second half of the NHL season and start talking about NHL playoff picture. We're getting Mm -hmm. there, Matt. We're getting right around that area. It's going to get really (laughs) impressive, especially in that Pacific division, like you said. So, hey, Matt, thanks for stopping by. As always, as you you know, you can find Matt on Twitter at MatthewZaderSC. Thanks very much, Matt, and I will see you back here next week on OTH Daily. Yeah, I'll see you then. Big news in the NBA today as Zion Williamson sets the stage for his NBA debut. The number one overall pick is expected to play against the Spurs tonight. Zion Williamson's debut has been looming and it's a long-awaited 
Wednesday night tip-off against the Spurs. 9.30 Eastern is tip-off. The path back to the court hasn't been easy for the number one overall pick, but it's easy to say that he is finally going to re be ready. It's interesting to see how they're going to protect Zion Williamson if we're going to see some minute reduction, which I expect today. So don't expect him to have a lot of points or a lot of minutes in tonight's matchup. Either way, it's going to be quite exciting to see Zion Williamson back on the court. If you got to watch him at all at Duke and at all in the preseason, in the little amount he had in the preseason, he was absolutely explosive. His type of body in the NBA is going to be absolutely incredible as long as he can keep the longevity up. I think he's going to immediately make an impact on the court. And, you know, the New Orleans Pelicans are a really good basketball team. They have a lot of young talent. And although at one point in time they had a 13-game losing streak in the season, adding a player as dominant as Zion Williamson, I think they have an opportunity to battle for that eighth seed in the West. So tonight starts that journey. San Antonio Spurs, New Orleans Pelicans, 9.30 Eastern tip-off. It's going to be a great one. And as always, tomorrow we will have Darren Jean's basketball director for OTH. He'll be on. We'll be discussing Zion Williamson's debut and so much more here at the OTH Daily Podcast. This is your top 25 college basketball roundup. Number eight, Duke defeats Miami 89-59. As we discussed on yesterday's episode, number 9 Villanova beats number 13 Butler 76-61. Anthony Edwards and the Georgia Bulldogs fall short to number 15 Kentucky as they lose by 10, 89-79. Northwestern falls short as well to number 17 Maryland, 77-66. A brawl breaks out between Kansas and Kansas State at the end of the game, but the Jayhawks will win 81-60. Number 21, Illinois will beat Purdue, 79-62. TCU with the upset against number 18, Texas Tech. They win 65-54. And San Diego State remains undefeated, beating Wyoming by the score of 72-55. That's your update for last night's college basketball games in the top 25. Number 6, Louisville will take on Georgia Tech today, 7 o'clock tip-off. Number 7, Dayton will take on St. Bonaventure Bonnies, 7 o'clock tip-off as well on that one. Number 20, Memphis, will take on Tulsa. 16, Auburn, take on South Carolina. Number 10, Seton Hall, will take on Providence. And two top 25 teams will face off at 9 o'clock Eastern on the Big Ten Network. Number 19, Iowa hosts. Number 24, Rutgers. That is your college basketball update for the day. Stay tuned for tomorrow as we break down some of these games and so much more with our basketball director, Darren Jeans. And that'll do it for the OTH Daily Podcast for Wednesday, January 22nd, 2020. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode. We will see you back here tomorrow bright and early for another episode here of the OTH Daily. Take care now. Thanks for listening. Tune in weekdays right here at the OTH Daily Podcast.